0: We let them know that estate planning is never ever 100%. We can only do today what we have the ability to do and based on the laws of a particular state that somebody resides in. And those things constantly change. So there's always a need to continue, continue on with that individual and continue to assist them and continue to review where they're at. Podcasting from Wealthwave Studios in Johns Creek, Georgia, this is Leadership Now, the official vision and strategy podcast of Wealthwave.
1: Well, you know, in addition to all of the changes in technology, as I I think we've all talked about at the beginning of this, one of the biggest changes is people are living longer. And those long lifespans create a lot of additional things you need to be thinking about in estate planning. And so, Mark... How has longer lifespans affected how people need to be thinking about their estate plan? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, before, before I answer that question, I'd like to j- jump on the technology side. And, and I'm looking at it more from uh, facilitating what needs to be done. Uh, currently today, uh, with any individuals we work for uh, and, and help them in this area, we let them know that estate planning... Is never ever a hundred percent we can only do today what we have the ability to do and based on the laws of a particular state that somebody resides in and those things constantly change so there's always a need to continue continue on with that individual and continue to assist them and continue to review where they're at Um, it helps in our business because Nine out of ten clients that we work with in the estate planning area become, uh, you know, in, in investment and insurance uh, clients of ours. So we, we have the relationship there. We have multiple reasons to get back with them. But on the technology side, one of the areas that has been the most difficult is having a couple that have a couple college age kids. And most people have no idea that once the child turns 18 years old, that mom right. and dad can no longer make medical decisions for them. Only after the fact do they find out. And uh, we try to reach out and make sure that each of our clients have health care powers attorneys for their adult children. Now, the parents can't do that. The children have to do that it's their healthcare power of attorney and uh, a lot of it just doesn't get done because it's cumbersome and it's also too because the kids may not be in the same area and even if you have a child that's over 18 that's maybe not away at of college but maybe lives you know in another state or in another area getting the paperwork to them and build, with with the technology for us to be able to do that all over uh you know the uh on li- the internet and online and have the signatures, you know, sign like we do on DocuSign right. uh, program will help tremendously. Uh, being being in the business as long as I have, I have seen far too many situations with adult children that have gone awry, and it's unfortunate. And we can right. we can help avoid that. Now, secondly, with the uh, the aging of, you know, the aging of all of us i mean you know i i know that uh, you know my life expectancy is much longer than what my parents was and uh, again much longer than what my grandparents were And so there's a lot of things that have to be done uh, with with the estate planning documents as far as picking the right types of people to manage your affairs because you may get to a point at a certain age that where one, you can't really manage your affairs anymore or two, you just don't want to do that. And so that requires uh, the need to have somebody appointed. And that's not something that we really were concerned about so much back 25 years ago. The main thing we were concerned about 25 years ago was avoiding probate and you know, and being able to reduce the estate taxes because of the low unified you know, right. credit amounts. Um, but so things are constantly changing, and and uh, as, as people uh, do get older and live longer, there are other issues that they face. Uh, there's issues that we will face when we're in our mid-70s and mid-80s that our parents didn't face, because a lot of them didn't make it out to those ages. And uh, so there's a new dynamic. Yeah, It's it's, it's a moving target. It's a moving target. Well,
1: you know, I'm also seeing, and you're probably seeing this as well, a lot of blended families. Yes. And that brings its own challenges and considerations, because you want to make sure um, children from blended families, you know, receive what... um, you know, their parents have agreed to, mm-hmm. and and so making sure all of that's taken care of can um, be, an in, you know, an interesting conversation, yeah. but it falls on us as the estate planning professionals to make sure that those wishes are carried out.
0: That's correct. Well, and, and the other point, too, with blended families, when you have uh, two individuals come together in, in a second marriage or in a later marriage in their life, and they have young children, minor children, or adult children at that that point in time, um, if they don't come together and put together a plan and talk with somebody that knows, there's all kinds of marital problems that can arise because of not knowing what my new spouse uh, has on his or her mind. And so there's this... Dark hidden area in most people's lives in these blended marriages, as far as the parents go, that they just never talk about, and and it's it's a conversation that I find most people are afraid to have in those situations. But once they do, they understand. Oh, gee, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. Right. But it, it, it comes from lack of understanding, right? Not having the the knowledge and information, and and that's really our job. That's really our job to get out there and educate people in these areas.
2: Absolutely. Let me comment on one thing that Mark said, because he, he said that uh, these people many times don't want to talk about it. Um, and that's where artificial intelligence and uh, the kind of the future and the present are uh, collide a little bit, because uh, you can artificially uh, intelligent everything, uh, but if I'm not willing to talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, we got a problem. If I'm not willing to even go there and open up that, Whatever it is, uh, that website, or uh, there's an issue. And, and that's always going to be an issue uh, because we're dealing with human, human beings. Um, and so what it takes, as Mark said, it, it takes someone to make them feel comfortable that it's okay to right. talk about and that you do need to talk about. It. And sometimes it's just simply having someone to say, let's talk about it. And uh, because people will talk about it, uh, it's, it's the end of life planning, for example, Medicare now will reimburse healthcare organizations just simply to have a conversation on end of life planning. They'll pay money to have an end of life conversation. It's gotten to that point where you got to pay people money, uh, physicians and and their uh, staff, just to have that conversation. Uh, But that's a new change. It's just, it's only been around now a couple years, and hospitals and organizations are just now figuring out. And we're actually playing a role in, in that area. But it, it's, a, it's something that what we have found in working in that space is if people do want to talk about it, but somebody, and usually it's a human being, it's not a machine, it's not a computer program, it's not an email, it's not a, a, a pop-up on your phone. It is an individual, in this case, these planners that need to be at least having, addressing those questions, as, as Mark said.
1: Right. Well, it's always... It, it, interesting having these kinds of conversations with clients, whether it's a blended family or whether it's a situation where um, widows or widowers um, find themselves remarrying later in life. I've had clients that have gotten remarried in their 80s and 90s, and we have an estate planning conversation with all of the family uh, at that point. And I've had clients where I represent the grandparents, the parents, and the grandchildren, or the great-grandparents, grandparents, grandparents, parents, and uh, great-grandchildren. But most of my clients tend to be, you know, 50s and older. And Dan, I know you work a lot with millennials how is their approach to estate planning a little bit different than what we see in some of our older clients
3: sure Um, what i'm finding is that um, the ones that you know have kind of gone past a certain line and ready for the conversation they're much more informed about the documents that they need and you know what estate planning is uh you know probably 10 20 you know my my colleagues here you can probably a test that you probably had clients come to you and say hey i don't know anything i just know i need this right. a lot of times uh, some of my, my younger clients i say hey yeah i know i read a little about this and i need a trust um and they're coming in a lot more informed about the process and the documents these days so that makes the conversation a little bit easier um you know we still have the the decision making process about who's that's still I, don't, I, I think that'll still be kind of a problem. And uh, the, the progress. But um, what I'm finding is that a lot of my clients are, um, you know, with all the information that's available out there, we can ask Siri if they understand us, um, <laughs> you know, uh, we can ask anything. And so um, there, anything that's available on our fingertips, they can find out and they're coming in much more informed mm-hmm. about estate planning itself and then the process itself as well. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, it's great that there is this. You know, a wealth of information out there to help inform people about estate plan and why they need an estate plan. And as Mark said earlier, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people thought, "Well, I don't need an estate plan because I don't have an estate." And we know that 10, 20 years ago, the main focus for estate planning was estate taxes. Right. Now, estate the estate tax exclusion went from one million to $5 million, to now $11 million. And since the estate tax exclusion is so high now, Jamie, a lot of people think, oh, I don't need to think about estate taxes. Right. So what are your thoughts about that?
2: Well, the, the, the lower exemptions clearly was a motivator because people are motivated by saving taxes. And mm-hmm. when I was in public accounting, uh, I was real excited to be able to tell a client for saving a couple hundred dollars. Uh, and that was one of the exciting things when I went from public accounting into into practicing law. And all of a sudden, I'm not telling clients they're saving a few hundred dollars. It's uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars uh, with estate planning because of the lower exemptions back then, and the, the it was a fifty five percent estate tax rate. So. So all of a sudden, uh, business owners recognize that, wow, I've, I've created this business and 55% of it's gonna be gone. Right. Well, when you remove that, uh, you go up to $22 million husband and wife now, uh, that's a, you gotta have a pretty good sized business to uh, have to worry about that. Now, as we all know up here, that in the end of 2025, that's uh, either Congress is going to have to continue that large exemption, or it goes back to the current $11 with some inflation adjustments. Um, And that, again, is husband and wife. And so um, what might happen? Well, what's going to happen in 2025? Uh, Well, let's see. the, the, The only reason we got there is because we had a Republican House, we had a Republican Senate, and we had a Republican president, because Republicans want to do away with the state taxes and the Democrats don't. And so I think I heard on the news something about maybe that's going to change in January, where we might have a Democrat. Uh, uh, I didn't hear that. It's true, of course. But the, uh, the Democrats obviously are taking over the House uh, majority. And so what does that do? Well, it's probably what that means is if it stays that way, and it's not, who knows what's going to happen all the way in 2025. But we know that if it were to come up next year, my guess is you wouldn't see that extended if we were in 2025 next year, because uh, you're not going to get that that Democratic uh, House to probably agree to that. And if you got a Democrat, 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 House, Senate and, and president, and you may find that even between any time between now and 2025 or any other time, you may find that those exemptions come way back down. Uh, because, again, the the Democrats have a very different philosophy with the estate taxes than the Republicans. And so uh, your planning still needs to be uh, focused on looking at the potential that those exemptions could come back down. Yeah. And so you don't want right. to completely forget that. And you want to remind people that uh, what we see today, and, and I find most uh, when I'm on the client side, so I still do practice law, uh, some with uh, with some higher net worth clients. But what I find is that if you ask people, do you really think these big exemptions are going to stay around? Most people will say, no, I don't think they're going to stay around. They recognize that it's pretty tenuous. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's a good thing, though, from the standpoint of people recognizing that, yeah, I probably do still need to look at the tax planning piece. Mm-hmm. But as, as Mark and Dan both said earlier, there are so many other areas that to deal yeah. with, uh, with business succession planning. Business succession planning, there right. is a tax planning component to that, but so much of that is just who's going to be at the, at the helm of that business. And, and many times that is a very difficult and challenging uh, discussion. That's going to be there always for whether you have an estate tax issue or not, right. and a lot of other issues you all have already yeah. identified.
1: Right. right. Well, and yeah. the estate tax exemption only applies at the national level. Correct. Correct. So people yep. have to think about what happens at the state level. Mm-hmm. And, Mark, do you want to just say a few words about that?
0: Um, yeah, actually, that's pretty, pretty, pretty good point is just that the federal and the, and the individual states are, are, are very different. Uh, right. the, the point being, regardless of whether the exemption stays where it is or whether it reverts way back to a million dollars a person, uh, there are other taxes that have to be dealt with. There are other types of taxes, you know, from uh, the income tax and the capital gains tax and stuff that uh, are, are paid uh at somebody's right. death, that proper planning can, not not eliminate those, but can help, uh, you know, lessen the blow uh, financially. Uh, so again, and of course, I, I refer more to Jamie, on the tax side because he is the expert there, and uh, that's why it's great to have Our a team. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, I, you know, one of the other things that I have found when I'm probating an estate is when a client has passed away with a qualified plan 401k, Mm -hmm. 403b, 457 or an IRA, Um, those types of assets pass outside of the estate. They typically identify a named beneficiary, usually the spouse or the children um, as the beneficiaries and there are certain things that beneficiaries can do to help minimize any taxes because a qualified plan is tax-deferred, so usually all of the money when taken is taxable. And so, Mark, I know you've helped a lot of clients in dealing with inherited qualified plans. If you want to address some of the options that um, beneficiaries have in that situation. Okay. Um,
0: obviously, the beneficiaries have the option to take it all when it comes. Right. And, and, of course, uh, unless uh, they're a beneficiary of a, a life insurance type of policy, uh, you, know, you don't, don't have a big concern for uh, taxes because uh, life insurance policies aren't subject to taxes when a beneficiary uh, receives them. But uh, with the qualified plans, uh, the ability for the heirs to be able to continue that qualified plan and continue it deferred the only thing that they have to do is begin a, a uh, required minimum distribution uh, uh, at whatever age they're at. You know, right. 70 and a half anybody with a qualified plan has to start their RMD uh, but if you have you know three children and one's 30 and the others 40 and another's 40, 45 uh, they all can take that uh, inherited uh, IRA and roll it over to their name under their social security number and then they will be required to take money out based on their life expectancy. And obviously the younger is going to take out less and the older is going to take out more. But those are uh, some some great plans and it's good to be able to give options. And and over over the last uh, 15 years or so, uh, I can't think of any uh, beneficiaries that I worked with have not taken that option, so it's it's a good one because it used to be either you took it all or you had to take it out over a five-year period of time. Right. There was no opportunity to stretch it over the beneficiary's lifetime. Right. So that's that's a a great advantage uh, to to in, individuals. On the other end, though, we were talking about uh, life insurance policies having a beneficiary proceed, and anything with a beneficiary proceed can. Uh, Uh, avoid the the probate process. Uh, As we know, qualified plans don't avoid the taxes, but uh, oftentimes people say, well, okay, so I really don't need to have uh, my life insurance policy uh, owned by my trust, or even the trust the beneficiary, right? But actually, uh, it's very wise to, because if most people have the types of permanent life insurance programs that are out there, and they become Again, incompetent—not thinking about the debt issue—but incompetent. Who has the ability to go ahead and manage the values of those contracts? Right. The state, and that's who will be able to manage those. This Is the state, unless you have those uh, policies, uh, you know, owned in, uh, in, in the uh, trusts that you set up. So, right. So there's a no- number of different issues that most. The average individual just doesn't even think about. Well
1: and whenever you're dealing with tax questions, usually there's a deadline on it. you got to make you may have options, but there's a deadline yes. for making the selection mm-hmm. and which I, you know I really encourage people to go see a financial professional or a state planning professional to make sure that you you know all of your options and you don't miss an important deadline. So, we've covered a lot of subjects. We've (laughs) talked about the estate tax exclusion, we've talked about blended families, digital assets, incapacity issues, um, options you may have with qualified plans, so the question I want to put to you all, we started this program talking about why estate planning is so important. Now the question that I want to put to each one of you is, what are the consequences to people who don't do estate planning? What happens in that situation? Dan, I want to start with you.
3: Sure. Um, I, I was having a conversation with a colleague of mine who practices in the same area, and he, um, he was telling me a story about um, a probate um, that he had to go through, um, the husband and wife common-law marriage. It's not actually not recognized in California. A um, couple million, dollar, million dollars uh, in real estate all in the husband's name. Um, husband has a heart attack, passes away. Right? Um, three sons two, uh, one of the sons is estranged from the mother. And they don't have a really great relationship. And you know she's living in one of the homes now. And, the, and and that's just between that son and, and the mother. And right. one of the sons wants to keep the homes. Their sons wants to sell the homes or the properties. And so it's kind of a tangled web here, a, a, an unfortunate situation. But um, that could all be avoided if, if they had talked to someone about what they want to do with their, their life and, and, and their possessions and have a plan to be executed when right. the time comes, so mm-hmm. and I would say you know you know we all know it that 's not an uncommon scenario in the united states it's not yeah. and and can easily be uh, be avoided by with 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 the conversation and, and a little bit of time, and you know time is money and and um, with a little bit of time, you can save a lot of money yeah. exactly yeah. exactly mark well, I think the The point that I'd like
0: to make and make it very clear is that if you don't have an estate plan in place, if you don't have the right type of of documents in place, that uh, the state that you live in does. And they have a process, it's called intestacy. And if you die without the right types of documents, you die intestate and the state determines how everything is to be set up and distributed. And um, you may not want that to happen. Uh, I I have a client that uh, I've had for a number of years working uh, with him. He has now an adult son that's in the business with him, and he has two daughters that aren't and have no interest. Uh, And uh, without him having the proper plan together that we put together, upon his incompetency, or his death, his son who's in the business with him could lose the whole business right. in the event that the two sisters felt that they wanted, wanted to uh, do something different. I have another situation too, a very large uh, long-term uh, uh, landscape nursery company in our area that uh, parents had started you know, back years ago in the, in the early 50s. And uh, they had one daughter who ended up working with them in the business and pretty much ran the business and she had two siblings that had no interest. Well for the last two years now, because it's going through the courts, um, for the last two years the gates have been closed on the place. The business is shut down because the two siblings that weren't in the business, uh, you know… Couldn't agree. …caused the shutdown of that business and so a great business. and an individual who put her, you know, 25 years of her life into the business, it, it's all for naught now. And it's certainly not what her parents would have wanted. Um, unfortunately, um, those were some individuals um, that I knew that I tried to encourage and point out, point some. And they just, it was always like, well, we need to get around to that. We, we just, we don't have right. time right now. They but, keep
1: putting it yeah, off. This well, is, this down is, to is it.
0: yeah, this yeah. is, yeah, this is our busy season, right? Right. And so, um. Uh, one of the things that uh, I have have uh, committed to do is to really overemphasize to people the importance of timely planning. Right. Because we don't know what could happen. We don't know what could happen when we walk out of here today. Mm-hmm. But I know that the four of us have everything
1: in order. Right. Well, and, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, don't know. They may have an estate plan in place, but then they may have gone through a life event, like a divorce, a marriage, or a remarriage. And in some states, in some instances, that legal life event will nullify their estate plan. Mm -hmm. And they think they've got a will in place, but in the eyes of the probate court, they are. They have died intestate without a will, and mm-hmm. the state law will govern how their assets are um, distributed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, Jamie, what have you seen, or what would you want to communicate to people if they don't do this? And net law has made it so easy for people to do this. If they don't do their estate planning, what are some of the things that can happen?
2: Well, there's, there is. Uh... Dan and Mark have both pointed out, there's we've, we've all got a lot of uh, war stories and, and some of them are old and some of them are current that we're living with uh, today <clears throat> in terms of just tragedy of situations that families just, if they would have just made clear what they wanted to do, it would have created a, a, right. a, a much more uh, sane situation. So. What I find in families is that many times um, it's, it's just simply the fact that those conversations have not been had by the family That's right. um, because they've not been prompted by either the lawyers or the financial advisors, the, the people in your business are, are not doing enough of that. You all are doing it, but we need to do more of it, right? Um, and, and so we have three kids. One says, this is what dad wanted. And truth believes this is what Dad wanted, and then over here, the, no another kid says no. I, dad wanted it this way. Now there's probably somewhat some bias there, right? That's causing them. But they truly, genuinely, many times I see families. I don't see that many. You do see it, but most of the time it's genuinely people believe this is what Mom and Dad wanted, and you got somebody else in the family. It's just the opposite. Now I'm always fascinated when I watch a basketball game. And somebody goes up for a layup, and there's a—it's either a foul or it's a charge. And and you've got an entire one side of that auditorium of that gymnasium that believes it was a charge, and they—you could interview them. You could—I mean—they passionately believe that's what it is. And the other side would say, absolutely not. And and I mean they believe that they're genuinely believe that it wasn't a charge; it was a foul, right? We have that in our families. Is Mm -hmm. it a charge or is it a foul? Mm -hmm. And and unless the parents communicate, our families communicate what they want to do, and ultimately you're industry is the industry that, that is the go-between between those families in need and getting the needs satisfied. Some of those needs yep. you can satisfy yourselves. Some of them net law can. But a lot of times you need to go ahead and take the final step and get a lawyer involved. So you know I didn't create net law simply to replace lawyers. I created net law in recognition that sixty to seventy percent of the population is not going to go see a lawyer like me. So you either have to say, all right, if they're not going to go see them, then forget it, or you're going to create what's second best. So net law is actually second best. It's second best. Yeah, it really is. It's second best to go in to see a good, competent professional attorney. That's always better. Now, you're going to pay more money. You're going to spend more time maybe. But if clients are willing to pay the price, take them to a good, competent lawyer that's trained in these things and make that part of your team. It's when they won't do that or you need a stopgap or they're going to take a trip or these other th- situations. There's a lot of opportunities and needs for a company like NetLaw and other companies like ours. But it's not to be a replacement for good lawyers. And, and you still need to encourage people to sit down with trained professionals and have these discussions to open their eyes up and start letting those professionals share some. Of, and if, if you're a younger person and you don't have any war stories like right. the folks on the panel here you need to be associated with somebody that has some of those war stories so that they can tell some of the problems and the challenges that you have if you don't do your proper planning.
1: That's right. And I found in estate planning that all too often it doesn't have to do with the things, with the money. It's all about doing this very loving thing for your family and the people who are most important to you. Because if you don't do this planning, you can end up destroying a family, destroying relationships. Um, And so it's a fairly simple thing. It seems complicated, but it's a fairly simple thing to do because you do love your family. Now, there have been a lot of changes, but as Mark said at the beginning, the two things that stay the same are people die and people get sick. There are a lot of changes in technology and life events and things that we're seeing because people are living longer. But you absolutely want to take advantage of planning to make sure your family and your business and your wishes are taken care of. We really appreciate our wonderful panel of professionals being with us today to talk about the future of estate planning. And thank you all for being with us.
0: Thanks for listening to Leadership Now, the official podcast of Wealthwave. If you like our show and you want to know more, check out wealthwave.com forward slash podcast, or you can leave us a review on iTunes. Join us each week as we talk about the topics
1: you'll need to help you grow as an entrepreneur and succeed in the financial business with Wealthwave.